Okay guys, and welcome back to Digital Artcast. Um, back again here with myself, Gordon, and of course Colin. What up, Colin? Still kind of laughing a little bit, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, oh, Colin has really shared a video. Oh uh, god, I should not have watched that. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we're going to share it in the comments, I think, because it's just too good not to be shared. But um, yeah, grammar, man, and spelling. It's, it's one of these things kids stay in school. Um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So, yeah, Colin's going to recover. Um, also, he's coughing because he is kind of sick. So, yeah. Well, my body has done what it usually does when it's tr when it's trying to get sick. Yeah. And, like, it goes into anti-getting sick mode, and it just, like, forces me to sleep more. Yeah. And I drink, like, I'm, I'm basically drinking, like, like, I don't even know how much water every day, but it's yeah. too much. But it also cuts down my time being sick by, like... 100 per like a lot <clears throat> so i'll probably be over this in a couple of days yeah but hopefully colin is working himself to death <laughs> more on that to come <laughs> uh, segue um okay so yeah as usual um we will talk about what we've been doing this week um we'll kick off with colin because his weeks are always more interesting than mine's because he's actually working as an artist so colin what have you been doing <laughs> uh well i've as as gordon said i've been working I've been working a lot <clears throat> and I'm counting myself lucky that I am working because like, oh shit, you know what? I, I do have something to mention that isn't freelance or full-time or like, you know, Inktober or whatever. Ooh. So um, actually it does, it does relate to Inktober. <clears throat> so remember that, that, one, that one random spaceship I drew? It was like uh, for, for Inktober. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The spaceship. Yeah. You said you had to draw more of them. Uh, yeah, and so um, someone I work with named Lloyd saw that on Facebook, and he was just like, yo, real cool spaceship, and I was just like, thanks, Lloyd, and then um, <laughs> I walk in today, there's a fucking 3D printed version of the ship oh, sitting on my shit. desk, wow. and I was just like, what the fuck, <laughs> and I mean, like, like it, it, it wasn't that surprising, because Lloyd has a 3D printer sitting beside his desk, and he's constantly, you know, 3D printing the show, uh, the, the, the characters from the shows that we're working on, but I was Whoa. just like, dude, holy crap, like, it's it's sitting on my desk now, and I'm looking at this thing, and I'm just like, you drew that. fuck, this is crazy. You're just walking in and having an epiphany, you're like, I can make my own toys! <laughs> Pretty much. Like my, my place is even more full of toys than it was before, but like it's it's a thing that I drew. Yeah. Someone else modeled and now that I've taken it home, it's just it's it's all black right now. Uh -huh. And I need to I need to like sort of chip away at some of the extra scaffolding that's yeah, still attached yeah, to it. The plastic. But I'm gonna <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of paint over it with Bondo to make it all smooth. Oh nice. And then prime it a couple of times and then paint this some bitch and it's gonna look fucking awesome. Is that made from the, the plastic that the kind of Lego plastic that they use in the reels? Uh, it's pretty light and it's hollow, so I'm gonna say yeah. Yeah, because so, I think I think one of the main ones when they started to be printing was the same plastic that is used for like your Lego parts. Um, I could. I wrong. think it's a it's a tiny bit more brittle just because it's it's not like a fully formed piece of Lego. It's yeah. It's 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 um. How do I describe it? Uh, can 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 you hear that? It's sort of it's 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 not totally smooth. It's like it's it's sort of formed in rings. If that if that makes sense. Oh, you tried to scratch it for me to determine the material. I'd be like, hmm, yeah. Oh, oh no, see, see, yeah. What texture is this? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, oh, like it's God, not God. it's not totally smooth. It's like it's 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 not rough either though. It's like I don't even know how to describe it. It's yeah. like it's ribbed, but, but like, it's not. It's a, a plastic light texture, I'm assuming. Because yeah, plastic like texture and yeah. yada yada. So. Yeah. Really cool. I'm gonna do some fun stuff to it. Bring it back. Show Lloyd. He'll be like, awesome. And I'll be like, 
can you model more shit and print it? And he'll probably be like, yes. Nice. So that's fun. And then um, this weekend, speaking of crunch time, actually, even though like we're going to talk about that later, yeah, I yeah. imposed on myself a, uh, a self sort of crunch mode and uh-huh. uh, blasted through a whole bunch of freelance work, which I really needed to get done. But yeah. <clears throat> the difference with me and other people when they crunch is that I'm crunching to get something done two weeks in advance. Wow. Whereas like other people are crunching to get stuff done like the day before. Yeah. So um yeah, like, like even even as far back as like not even my film, but earlier in school, I learned that like if you're gonna crunch, do it early. So like you can forget about it and then yeah. other people are doing the same project two weeks later, you're like, Oh yeah, that was a thing mm-hmm. two weeks ago and I've already moved on. Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I am I deliberately gave myself more time for these freelance jobs or asked for more time than I needed so I could get things done early and then yeah. have a break in between. Yeah, which is important obviously because we're gonna talk about that. But like I'm I'm the world's worst and you know as, as much as I try to work hard, I, I'm victim to this all the time of leaving stuff for the last minute, which um, is a deeper conversation about anxiety and fear of failure and all this shit and a lot, what a lot of artists suffer from. But um, I really did, um, you know, because I came back to university, I was like, oh, I'm not going to leave them at the last minute again. I'm going to get stuff done early. And I actually started to do decently. Like, I've done some extra stuff and tutorials and started building some stuff. And then um, just last night, I was finishing stuff for a, a 1 p.m. hand and, and I was like, you know, I can't. <laughs> I physically can't do this anymore because it ends up killing you, you know, because you're working so late in the night to try and get things finished. And yep. I was missing sleep <laughs> and I was like, fuck this, man, you know, I need to get. So moving forward, um, although only be the third time I've said it this year, but no, definitely 100%. I was looking, I was I'm actually just doing some tutorials with Mark Fongi, um, sketching some extra stuff, um, looking at an online TV tutorial, and I'm definitely like, need to get my fucking action gear so yeah yeah Yeah. well like it's really really good that like like you have the attitude it's just it's just you you've got to continuously and it's not something you can train yourself to do in a day like it's something that you have to continuously condition yourself to do like it's 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 a mindset you got to get into and like it's not something you can just say okay i'm gonna do this now it's like it's weird and like i i've been i've been trying to train myself to do this since second year and it's still not entirely solid yet and I, yeah. I even for people like you know some of the crazy talented people i'm working with at work or george like yeah. i know for a fact that george occasionally blows 400 hours onto borderlands too like yeah even just, people it, like that are are you know they like i, I don't even want to say have faults but like sometimes you just need to not fucking do any work yeah i mean like we listened to um thomas uh, Scholes when he done the iw talk in london and he talked about how um, like unlocking level 30 as he called it and he discovered this new thing called patience where he takes the weekends <laughs> off and he goes walking has barbecues and that actually totally resets his brain for working again during the week you know what i mean so yeah. you really need you know because like we're going to talk about obviously eventually is that how people drive themselves into the ground and uh, you need to have that especially as an artist when you try to incorporate so much in nature into your world and your art you need to go out and experience it and that's what that's what we do at the weekend i was out running my 10 pounds on my back through a local uh, park just up and I'm down pretty the- sure noah bradley said something like that too like go out and experience the world so you can put all those technical skills yeah. you know to something that actually has meaning and something yeah. that you've experienced and you know not something you just saw online you're like that's cool i'm gonna do it yeah <laughs> i mean james gunn is the same you know james constantly lives outside and paints and draws outside because a lot of what he draws and paints is nature, and there's no better source than physically sitting in front of a tree and painting it. You know what I mean? So, Wait, James Gunn is he the director? No, James Gurney is uh, the guy. Who oh, Gurney. 
Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the I, thought Nas- said, I thought you said James Gunn. I'm like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the National Geographic painter. Yeah. So. Um, right. Yeah. Um, who, AKA who, that that one painting book that everyone has. Light color. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. Yes, that's a book to look at. Um, I was thinking that as well. Actually, I might start trying to get leave and below in the episodes like a reading list if we can start putting one together for like because I yeah. know there's like a lot of good like especially Scott Robertson's books. I, I was stunned to find people in the studio was working. We didn't know who Scott Robertson was. I was like, keep us? <laughs> like, like, what yeah. the fuck? You've never heard of Scott Robertson. Quit. <laughs> 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 yeah. What? And I, like, but, yeah, they're like, oh, Scott, who, who's he? Some kind of film director? I'm like, no, he's pretty much the godfather of concept. No, and... the one who, or one of the ones who basically started it all, you, you yeah. uneducated people. <laughs> <laughs> swain. Um, so yeah, I think we start putting a reading list together. But yeah, James Gunn and Scott Robertson are probably the two you want to start with. Um, every hour. actually, speak, speaking of uh, Scott Robertson, mm. even at a studio like Elliot, where it's primarily TV animation, cartoony, it's mm. not quite as um you know technical and you know mm. like industrial designy yeah. as like as as a lot of other things. I walk through the studio. Actually, actually, the third building and the second building. Mm. In addition to the Scott Robertson books that are on my desk, there's at least seven or eight other copies floating around the studio. Yeah, like, yeah. everyone has them. Everyone knows who he is. He's just a legend. I mean, I, I think he was actually... I can't remember if he was the one um, who actually said this quote, but somebody did say it, and it stuck on my mind forever. And it's an amazing quote. I can't, I'll try and find out who said it, but they were talking about the difference between art and design, right? And somebody basically said this one line that I thought encapsulated it perfectly. And they said that... Here it goes. Design is art with a purpose. Was that Feng Zhu? Possibly. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. If but, not, he said something very similar. Like like yeah. like design is not actually art or something like that. Yeah, but design is art with a purpose. And I thought that's actually so true. Like it really is. Like this art will serve a purpose. It will be someone's business card, it will be someone's letterhead, it will be a building, a vehicle. That's what or a character in an animated series, yeah. or like a vehicle for a AAA game, like and, and you have to you have to solve a problem with this particular design, and that problem usually is like you know what what are the constraints of, of the world it's in, and yeah. you know how does the player interact with it, or like 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 is this character in this TV show comedic? Mm-hmm. How are they how do they connect with the audience? That's the problem you have to solve. Yeah, and that's that's why it's called character design. It's not like yeah, character art. It's not character, character art, even though yeah. sometimes it is, I guess. Yeah, yeah. but then it's, that's more fan art. But your character design is designing something with a purpose. Yeah, so it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the rest of your week, um, you've just been working on this project as well? Uh, yeah, so so full-time I'm still doing that crazy thing that I don't think I want to mention publicly yet, but I, I, I will eventually, you know, when, right. I, yeah. when I... When I can, yes. Um, and then freelance, and then Inktober, obviously. Which um, <clears throat> tonight I'm going to get back to it because I took a, a slight self-imposed break to do that. Yeah. That um, self-imposed uh, crazy crunch on my freelance work, <clears throat> and that's about it. Like, like work is. Um, I'm counting myself so fucking lucky right now. Like, yeah. God, I'm I'm living something that I should not be living yet, but because I am, I'm just like. I'm just gonna go with it, you know. You should like, be too because you're super talented and we all know it. So yeah, shut up, Colin. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so my week, uh, handins for university. Uh, most guys who you know have been in education, those deadlines come thick and fast. Um, again, like I said, I've been just slacking the last couple of weeks uh, when I shouldn't have been. So I was paying for it the last couple of nights, but um, I did get stuff finished. And I actually was surprised to what level I got it finished. To actually, I, I, I'm quite you know I, I did send Colin the mock-up gun was that was that the French gun and the and the toaster yeah yeah um, so yeah again for only 
two three days work i would say um both mm -hmm. those, that was yeah i was i think it was not bad. those look those look pretty much ready to be uh to be skinned yeah pretty much so i was actually quite impressed i could, <clears throat> I could turn things around when actually it's given another boost in confidence because when i finished it and the time i finished it into the level i finished it um i was sitting there like what the fuck was i so worried about why, <laughs> why was i panicking so much like when i sat down and physically put my mind to it like i'd done it and it was to a decent for my is a decent standard you know most guys who are higher in models whatever but yeah i did look at that and think you know and like again my topology is 100 percent but you know i did look at that at the end and think that's good like that's i've never you know you, most people look at the work and think that's shit. i could have done so much better and i probably could have done so much better in so many areas but i did eventually look at that at the end and look and think no that's actually quite decent you know i've done an okay yeah. job in that so you know what? One thing about modeling is like it's one thing to model a thing and then be like, "Hey, look, I made a model." It's something entirely different to make a model that's correct and has no like topology errors and yeah. you know vertices on top of vertices. Like that's that shit is difficult, you know? Yeah, definitely, especially if you're just gonna be building the tries as well. You're just setting yourself a disaster. But yeah, so yeah, I got that done. Um, and then the next rollout, I said to Colin earlier, is basically skinning them, rendering them, and then put them in Unreal Engine, um, ready for game. Um, and then I think we have Christmas break. So, so that's the assignment then, like produce assets that are game ready. Basically, yeah, we have a first step plan, which is this, which is basically the first step modeling, um, and then the second stage is going to be um, skinning them up, basically, put them through, well, we put them through substance, um, and then straighten it on real. Um, <coughs> and that would be that would be then the trimester one. Um, I actually I got a question. Um, mm -hmm. Does the gun have moving parts? Mines does, yeah, but that wasn't a part of the breed. You could just make it as like a plain face gun with just buttons, like it didn't have to physically function, like engineering wise. Um, but I did include coils and springs and the lever arches that would obviously things that could be eventually rigged and animated, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, like in my final render, I had some like case because I couldn't animate it fully, but I had some like uh, empty casings like flying out the side of the chamber. Um, and like the clips come in and out separate, um, they're full of bullets, so um, yeah. Yeah. And I also done the what they call the rifling inside of the gun, so like the, the kind of spiral effect, the metal that goes down the chamber that pushes the bullet out. So I done wee bits extra here and there. So I was quite chuffed at the end, but then managed to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Is um I remember I remember watching those Halo Five sprint videos and when they were. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, pulling apart like the pistol, everything worked, and and like one modeler did that. You know, like it was yeah. it was one guy with a, with obviously like a ton of feedback too. But yeah. you know when you do a weapon like that and it has to be game ready, then like yeah. the, the, um is, is um uh the uh bleh, I'm I'm doing it again. <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like 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 um oh god, <laughs> I just I just I just got up for a second and I'm 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 going through a head rush. Hold on. <laughs> Collect your thoughts, Colin. <laughs> Collect my thoughts. Don't don't make a fool of myself. So yeah, like um, just 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 making sure that it, that um it actually animates and moves is yeah you know really important. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like even when the sprints, I saw the guy had like a it's like a, a rocket launcher kind of thing, and the animation was like when it discharged the rocket, this kind of thing came out and pushed the rocket out and turned and then moved back in. Oh like, yeah, that's the um uh yeah the the I think it's the six shot thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did look at that and like holy shit, someone has to animate that like part by part, frame by frame, animation man. Like I mean, yeah. I'm all, I, like if I ever got a job in three D, it would definitely going to be just like exclusively modeling because how <laughs> animates, oh fuck that no like animation. You're like my friend Andre. He's like he's 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 like a master modeler, but yeah, he, and 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 um he's he's he's. He's definitely competent when it comes to stuff like animation, but he really prefers modeling and texturing because, like, it's 
it, it's just it's so much less complicated. Yeah, yeah. There's there's less moving parts, I think. Literally. I think that's that's probably why it's <laughs> yeah. As soon yeah. as shit starts moving, things go a little crazy. Yeah, I can I can attest to that. Um, okay, so um, relatively normal weeks for us, um, but we will now dive into our official podcast topic. Here um, we go. Here we go. The big big talk. Um, so about a week ago, uh, about a week now, uh, <laughs> I actually uh, was listening to a podcast with the guys at Kinda Funny, um, and if you know the guys, they were XIGN. Greg Miller, um, Colin Moriarty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they've done a podcast on... They did it up at noon, I think? Yeah, yeah. Way back in the day, but they have their own whole YouTube channel, Patreon thing set up. Um, nice. Soon really well. But they do this, they do a couple of shows. One of the shows they do is called PS I Love You, XOXO. And it's like a PlayStation podcast. Still one of the most popular PlayStation podcasts on the net. And they talked about um, like everything to do with PlayStation, blah, blah. But then they had this uh, whole episode called um, Was Uncharted Worth It? Um, so when I listened to it, I didn't really think much of it, but further in, Colin actually reads out a statement about, um, you know, did? yeah, so there's like a, there's a, there's a statement about this, um, this podcast, this podcast called Designer Notes. So it's a podcast where they talk about game development. Right. Um, and, uh, the guys at the time, um, talked to, uh, Amy Hennig, who is the ex-head writer at Naughty Dog, um, and before that also Crystal Dynamics way back in the day. Um, and she basically talked to them about game development and how it has become um the process it's became basically you know like why it is what it is and why it is the way it is um why so, the status quo is the way it is yeah definitely i mean like i'll just i'm, I'm going to read just a little bit here from uh air assistant interview and then we'll get in it but um i really need to read it because it kind of sets the stage for what she's talking about um so obviously at the time you know when i read this um colin also reads it out as well but yeah i'll, I'll read it out. so amy hennig um, calls AAA development an arms race that is unwinnable, uh, where crunch is still a big problem. Um, so one of the paragraphs that I'm going to read, and the only one which is just encompasses the whole thing she talks about is, you know, with a CV that includes Crystal Dynamics and Naughty Dog and their electronic arts, Amy Hennig has worked in AAA console development for more than 20 years. But reaching that cutting edge and staying there demands significant personal sacrifice. And Hennig believes that AAA industry has reached a point where something's got to give. So... Even back as early as I can remember, um, you know, looking back to, you know, when we first started this podcast and I talked about what got me into wanting to get into games, development and games art, was watching the, the making of DVDs that they released. Dude, same with me. Yeah. <laughs> I remember so, watching those Halo 2 videos over and oh, over and yeah, over again man. when Halo 3 was about to come out. And oh, I'm just like, yeah. anything Halo, I need to watch it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm, that shit was so cool. Yeah, and, and obviously stuff like Gears of War, some of the first Cliffy B stuff I saw when they were first making that game. When he um, had, like, that crazy fucking hair. <laughs> yeah, and uh, all the, the God of War 3 stuff. Um, yeah. yeah follow, there's been so many. Because it's so great now to draw back the curtain and look into games development in a personal way. Um, but the thing that I always knew, even before I started drawing my first PCR, was that a thing called crunch existed in the industry. Um, and this was way back, you know, you're talking early 2000s, I was watching these things. And, uh, yeah, that was still commonplace. Um but even as far as back as probably 96 and earlier, it has existed. And even to this day, it still is here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, me and Colin, you know, uh, me being completely inexperienced and Colin being slightly inexperienced because obviously he's just started his job. But we're both well aware of crunch and what it entails and what it's about. Um, because you're hanging up, you know, around enough professionals or enough and then she talks, you know what it's all about. You know, it's the time... Um, I, I'll break it down for people who don't know, but crunch is, they call it crunch because you try to crunch as much time as you can, but it's the point 
um, or there's usually sometimes there's multiple crunches throughout the, the, the pipeline or the, the term of making the game. Definitely, yeah. Um, but usually it is sometimes towards the end of the game where they're trying to get as much done as quickly as they can. So people basically will work um, 10 to 12 hour days, if longer. Um, weekends, Which translates to like 80 to 120 hours a week. Yeah, so weekends, like extra in, hours, in fucking insane holidays, shit like that. Yeah, loads of stuff. Um, and, you know, I think people part and partial just for years and years have just accepted like this exists. This is this is normal. This is the thing that just can't change. It's part yeah. of the process. Whereas in any other industry, um, unless you're extremely high level, we're talking like CEO level. Um, you would it's need... been more or less stamped out of a lot of other industries. Yeah, because a lot of not other everything, industry... but but definitely a few. Yeah, definitely. And I was going to say one of the biggest parts of that I think is because nearly every other industry in the world has been unionized at one point. Um, so people fighting for basically human rights, um, where the games industry and a lot of other art-based jobs, that just doesn't exist because people feel in these industries that you should be lucky to be there. You know, you shouldn't want to lift your head and say anything because you're lucky to have a job. You're lucky the studio's still open, so don't complain. Um, mm -hmm. Which there's two sides of the coin to that. I can understand where people come from where game development is hard. It's hard securing that next contract. It's hard securing that next game. So when you get that money, you get that job. You should be happy. I'm totally with that. But you know, when Amy, you know, when you read it, it's very harrowing when you read about her interview. She talks about how you know she would work seven hour weeks, seven days a week. Um, you know, she doesn't have kids or a family. You know, a lot of that was her personal choice. But she was saying, I couldn't understand how people could have kids, who could have a family. You know, there was, you know, like even a couple of weeks ago, we were talking to a couple of girls who you know came from a local studio. We talked about how all they work is eight to four. They don't work weekends. They're very lucky. They're treated very well. Um, but they had a friend even a while back who went for an interview at EA and he got accepted and then they were having a little um, tour around the studio and he actually turned down the job because as he was walking through the studio there was like sleeping bags under people's desks. Oh my god. So he was like, oh holy shit. Like, that Man, was... that reminds me of like, I'm not even kidding, the fourth year animation studio at Sheridan. Yeah. Like we had a fucking mattress in there but like even though that that's not great that is school and, yeah. and your entire career and your health i mean it yes actually technically your health yeah. is sort of like you know like you you, you you need to keep your health but i think as bad as it is school is kind of a different thing because it's not yeah. something that lasts 20 years it's yeah. you know and most times it was closed well you're only in well in my case yeah, i'm only in two or three days a week a lot of the stuff you know it's kind of like you know you have this deadline but you know if i had modeled that stuff and actually stuck my head in it, you know into it when i needed to I could probably get a maybe two weeks off where I didn't really have to work, you know, and <laughs> during which you could do even more work yeah. to make yourself better. But yeah, yeah, but it's a thing, like you said, you know, in university, you've only pushed enough as you need to be pushed. Like it's like you said when you're talking to Matt, like university is one of the things that the more you put into it the more you'll get back. Um, exactly. And, and if you're one of those people that like fucking squeezes every ounce of, of shit you can get out of it, then yeah, yeah you're going to do well. Yeah. Or if you're one of the guys who does enough to get by, then yeah, that's... You'll do well if you're really, really lucky, but yeah, you know, like making your own luck is also known as working really fucking hard. Yeah. And like we talk about, you know, there's no such thing as talent, there's no such thing as luck, as time on tasks. So I've got to agree, you know, and you know, that's why, I'm, and this is why the last six months I have been pushing, pushing, pushing myself because I know at the end of the term, I'm going to have to fucking prove myself. But, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, but artists working in these industries are, I think, and like, you know, I talked to uh, a couple of guys at IW and they were talking about how there's been this influx the last couple of years because of concept art becoming so well known. You know, shit has been spoiled by artists. You know, they're getting 
a thousand applicants, but like for one job. Whereas it used to be like a thousand applicants and like nine hundred of them were just shit people who you couldn't draw to save themselves. Now they just didn't even know what they were getting into. Yeah, and now it's like you know nearly two thirds of those applicants are working professionals looking for real work. And yeah, that's because you know there's so many studios now. There's so many ways to contact people through email, through travel, and people can move now. Um, as studios, you know, like we say, the, the the popular thing is when people complain about their job, the guy will say, well, that's great, but there's 10 guys at the back of you who want your job and are just as fucking hungry. So, you know, count your blessings, you know, don't fucking speak up and get back now to work. Now get back to work for yeah. you, like, on your, like, 85-hour week there, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, and it worries me as well because I'm now even at the age where I'm a lot older than Colin and, you know, 31, and when I eventually get a job, you know, a couple of years down the line, I will be thinking about kids and, you know, uh, one of the things kind of you can't risk the kind of stability that comes with a full-time position yeah basically if yeah. you have kids like yeah. like you just you just can't risk that yeah but then at the same time i'm not wanting to be away from my kids to the point you know i basically don't get to raise them you know because as a cohabited if you're going to be in a relationship with another person you're not going to want to make them fall back into all of the parenting while you're off working um and especially this is not fair no especially in the uk i mean like I could even see sometimes a reasonable thing for like guys at Blizzard who work so much because they get paid like these massive salaries, nearly a hundred thousand dollars a year. But you know, as a junior artist, you know, you're talking I would be making like between eighteen and twenty thousand pounds a year. I could get that shoveling snow for the council. Like it's, <laughs> it's you know, there's so much easier ways to make money. Like even before I left my job, I was on twenty four thousand pounds as an engineer, you know, and like my job was I'm not going to say, like, ridiculously easy, but, you know, there was days where it was easy and, you know, I could come in and go home and not have done much work. And I got paid for it. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, this is the thing we're talking about, how, like, uh, we had a conversation, like, early as well, like, people who get into jobs in the industry, especially in the entertainment industry, who are, um, I'm not going to say lazy, but, you know, people who just aren't like other, like other people who will try, 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 try as hard as they can all the time and get paid the same amount of money. And it's, you're wanting to be setting up an industry going in forward with people who are coming in now who can have a life as well as yeah. work. Um, Although if, if you look at people like that who are kind of just coasting by, if you look at them and they're sitting beside someone who is like a real, and I'm, I'm going to say try hard, but use it as like, you know, like, like an endearing term. Try yeah. hards are awesome yeah. when it comes to people who put a lot of work in. Mm -hmm. If you look at those two people, they may, they may be doing the same job, but not for like, not for much longer, you know, yeah. Yeah. like that person who's putting in a shitload of work eventually just by, just by virtue of them doing all that work, mm -hmm. somehow, some way the universe is going to see that and be like, let's like bump this person up a little bit. So yeah. like they're eventually going to move on to better things where Whereas the person who isn't doing nearly as much or doesn't think they need to, they're mm. going to stay where they are. And if, yeah. if they're cool with that, then that's absolutely fine. If, if they want to stay there, if they're comfortable with that, then that's their choice. And, yeah. you know, like, who are we to judge? But, yeah. you know, like, it's always good to strive for more because it's like the day you stop progressing and growing is, I can't remember what motivational speaker said this, but it's basically the day you start to die. Yeah. And yeah. that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a double-edged sword because, you know, you were just at um, Edge Control and you listened to Anthony Jones talk and he talked about how, you know, he had this illustrious career for years and years and years where he was basically, you know, at the top of his game and he was working really hard. But then he got to a point, he was like, I'm not looking after my kids. I'm neglecting yeah. my wife. I need to have a life outside of my heart. Um, and then even now with him having some, um, you know, I can say this because he's, he's, he's had it on his Facebook. He's, he's not really hiding it, but you know, Anthony has now had a couple of medical issues where he's having, um, you know, headaches and real problems, and they're getting to the source of it now. Um, 
they guess they have surgery. But you know, I think a lot of that has been brought on by stress and working those long hours. Um, stress and fear can literally kill. And yeah. like it, 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 it seems it seems crazy to think about it if you've never lived through it. And I personally haven't had any major health concerns brought on by that kind of stuff. But yeah. the amount of people that have, I can totally believe it. So yeah. getting back to crunch, like. It's it's so hard to tell someone in a position whether where they're being exploited and you know being forced to crunch without being properly you know compensated or just being forced to crunch in general. It's so hard to tell them to get out of there, but it's it's worth it for your health just to just to do that, you know. And I, I don't even know how to say that. Yeah, and it's it's difficult because these studios have such finite times to make these things for people, you know. Like like Amy talks about Uncharted Three. Like there's a really good paragraph here she talks about. You know, she says. You know, Uncharted 3 was hard because even though we had two years of game, it was two years after the projects that were a crunch, basically. You know, she yeah. said, you know referring to the project's development cycle, you know, it was a time where we were also trying to grow as a studio and split into teams and deal with all the recruitment issues that went into that and try to figure out what the face of the success of the second game was going to be. You know, and they still only had two years to meet all those challenges. You know, so it was at any time because, the, you know, the industry is, like we said, still so young, every turn you're kind of like, well, how do we do this? What is a clever way to make this game quickly? You know, what tools can we use to streamline everything that we're doing? Are we doing everything properly? Should we maybe employ more guys? Should we employ less guys and make them work harder? Yeah, um, and it's, it's it really comes down to the pipelining and planning that comes at the very beginning of the project. Like, if yeah. not enough time is put into that, if you just decide to do things as you've always done them, you're you're gonna have the same result as you had before, or at least very similar. Yeah, and it's it's, it's so much pressure, and I totally get it, but. I think people have to start being so realistic. I mean, you know, we're going to use this as an example, and I hate to do this because being more in the game development community now, I know what goes into making a game more, and I know how hard it can be, but we look at the example of No Man's Sky and Hollow Games and Sean Murray, and... Here we go! <laughs> yeah, for like how many weeks people have talked about this. But, you know, when Sean approached Sony with the idea for No Man's Sky and said, look, we've got this algorithm, it makes these infinitely generating worlds, people could explore this with no end, yeah, you know, something they could buy, they would play forever, we could, you know, he must have had something in the back of his mind that must have said, can I do this? And obviously something was blocking out, so he was like, yeah, I can, but... <laughs> with 15 people? Yeah, he must have, you know, Sony were like, you've just put out Joe Danger for the iPad, right? And they were like, yeah, we can do this game now. Okay, what's your staff? Oh, we currently have 15. No, 15. I never knew... If that was 15 people who are working on the game, or you're talking like two people of them are admin, I don't know. But like, even 15 people for a game like that has a really fucking. I mean, some indie teams now are like 20 guys. Like, yeah. for small mobile games, you know. If like, you look at if you look at a game like Joe Mad's Battle Chasers, that's like, I don't know how many how many people are on that. Oh, I couldn't mm. tell you, but I mean, imagine with Joe's experience, he probably would staff it as as he needs to be, but. Yeah, I, mean, I think it, it is it is a smaller scale game, and I don't want to I don't want to misquote or like say anything that's just blatantly wrong. But yeah. I think it's between like twelve and twenty four people, and for a game like that, that's probably fine. Yeah, and it's also it exists in a lot of two D realms. I mean, it's no to this anything that is two D, but we both know it as a simpler architecture to to make. Exactly, like like you 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 do one painting, and if in in like in like an isometric or or like top down game like that, that's your whole damn map right there. Yeah, pretty much. Whereas like, when you have to build something in three D like that. Oh, pardon me. We have to build something in three D like that. Um, that's just infinitely more complicated, you know, because you've not yeah. only got to model it, you've got to rig it, you've got to render it and you have to like paint it and oh god yeah light it oh, fucking, fucking. yeah 
So, you know, it's- I definitely think like, like considering things like this, you know, whether, whether you're super new to the industry like me or whether you're, you're like, like right on the edge of it, like Gordon thinking about this stuff and learning about all these issues and problems before you go in or maybe right after you're in, in my case, uh-huh. it's, that's like, it's really important to be aware of this stuff and yeah. whether you have an opinion on it or not, just learn the facts first and then yeah. form your opinions. I mean, like we're not sitting here as like uh, a political broadcast and trying to be like all, you know, left wing for the people and say, you know, oh, well, of course, you know, we're, we're wanting to make sure that this is abolished and this is wrong. And, you know, we're not trying to stand on a, on a soapbox here and tell you guys, like, how the industry should be. Of course not. This is know. bad, except yeah. our opinions are die, bitches. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I mean, we're just trying to, like, call and say, make people aware because uh, I think there is so many people who get into this industry and have no idea what's involved. You know, you know, Feng would talk about, you know, a lot of his students when they'd say, you know, how often do you draw per day? And they would say, oh, I don't know, like two or three hours a day. And you'd be like, well, you have no fucking chance of making it in this <laughs> industry because you have to be drawing harder and faster than the guy behind you to have a job. And that's, and faster. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's such a sad fact that you didn't want to say to people, you know, only the best will survive because we both know from experience, there's people who can get jobs who sometimes don't really deserve jobs. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, we know there's people exist that can be lazy or can just get by by costing, but... Yeah. Um, you know what? Actually, taking Joe Matt as an example, I don't know where this quote came from. I actually know I, I do know where it came from. I just don't know if it's official. But back when he was in his like Marvel intern and like you know early Marvel comics days, mm-hmm. I think the number that was being thrown around like how many hours a week he drew. I don't know if he said this in an interview or if it was just made up, but I'd believe mm-hmm. it because of the way he draws now, it makes sense. Yeah. Something ridiculous like sixty to eighty hours a week just yeah. of like pure drawing practice. You're I don't know talk- if that was outside his work. You're or- talking about ten hours out of a day. Yeah, yeah yeah like it's 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 most of your day yeah but then again he was such a hobbyist like he drew all the time in the spare time that's all he wanted to do was draw well he drew and he played video games is what yeah, he did pretty much <laughs> so i mean the guy's just been i mean people say like oh that's a freaking nature like guys like jim lee and stuff but it's just it's guys who want it like it's like those motivational speakers like do you want it that bad you know did you you mean are you willing to people like you want to die for it you're obviously not going to die for it but like you know people who are like it must be the only thing that's your mind but this always leads back into the country where we talk about how studios are spoiled by artists because these guys are so passionate and they will work for nothing you know and yeah you know like you said with the story about the guys have sleeping bags under their desks and people are like oh well that's just or a really dirty fucking mattress <laughs> yeah i mean you could see like as sean was going through each individual interview before the games lead up to release like he was looking worse and worse like so tired and so drained and it must have just for been... no, no man's sky guy yeah yeah and that's yeah. what i'm saying you know he's he was just he looked so destroyed by the end of it like he was just a wreck of a guy he was such a hollow shell he was like and unfortunately my... he's he's like I, I don't know if this is going to follow him forever but he's mm-hmm. kind of known as the guy who fucked up no man's sky yeah and that's it's a shame because the guy's obviously poured his heart into the game but i don't it's... even think he fucked it up like it it, it, it comes back to one of those things where like I don't even know if it was entirely his fault. I think it was his fault for saying yes, I can do this, but mm-hmm. I don't think it was his fault for Sony. And I don't know how how much how much you know how how much Sony pushed him to do it, but yeah. you know, and or or if he could even back out because you know once they start the hype train, you know, mm-hmm. how do you stop that kind of thing? Yeah, he probably maybe it was a. No, no. I was, maybe we, actually, it was probably it was probably a contract or something that he signed because that's usually how these things go. Yeah, I was gonna say that maybe when he sat down with the idea, they were like, right, this is cool, we can fund you, but you need to make it in two years. And he was like, 
okay, uh, that's cool, how much money are you giving me? And he'd be like, okay, this much, and he'd be like, oh, that's going to pay 15 staff for two years, but like, I maybe need a bit more, and he'd be like, well, you can take it or leave it. Like, the thing is, people are still waiting for Sean to come out and speak about it and categorically say, like, was it his fault? Was it Sony's fault? Was it the studio's fault? Like, who actually was at fault? Um, and that's at the Well, most... if he comes out and blames Sony, then Sony... Yeah may come down like a ton of bricks so he's in a really difficult spot yeah really yes because obviously if he takes like the sole responsibility that will just create a backlash as well for people being like well you fucked up you'll probably get blacklisted blacklisted from working in the game this day I yeah mean, like there's there's obviously so many but again it's it's about pressure like we're talking about how studios are under pressure all the time to make these games and this is why crunch exists but it really should be something that should be going the way of the dodo and you know, Thomas Cole said that when he sat in the panel at IW, when somebody asked about crunch and what it is to work it, and he said if, if your studio is still incorporating crunch into their pipeline, then they're not planning their pipeline properly. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, because people will always make a pipeline and say, right, okay, between December and January, that's crunch. That's when we're going to do the 50 hour weeks. And people will be like, why? Why are you planning crunch? I mean, exactly. Yeah. Like, like why, why, are you, why are you acknowledging ahead of time that this is a thing that has to happen? happen. Like, Hire more people, mm-hmm. add money to your budget, or roll back your scope. Yeah. And and if 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 for example your publisher is like, oh yeah, two weeks from deadline, can you put this feature in, please? Yeah. You know, you you have to be in a position where you where you can say like if you're if you're Rockstar or CD Pro- mm-hmm. CD Project Red or Bethesda, mm-hmm. you you can be in the position to say, fuck no, we're gonna release the game as is because mm-hmm. we can't do that. Yeah. And again, it's uh, the thing that pops in my mind there when you mention CD Project Red, you know, knowing now Marshall and Marek. Um, and they talk about like what they worked. You know, their team is exceptionally small, and they produced The Witcher Three. What the fuck? <laughs> like, it's unbelievable the amount of work. You look at anybody who knows, not even just as an artist, as a gamer. And The Witcher Three is one of the biggest worlds that exist in games. It's so rich. biggest, and not only biggest, but it's like. It's it's not just a big empty space. It's like a big full space of full of a ton of shit. So missions and creatures and magic and Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Like and they, so what I what I what I think probably about them is I remember I, w- I was just like I'm continuously amazed. But what it is is either they're all about to die because they're so overworked. Yeah. Or they plan that shit with like an inhuman amount of accuracy. Which yeah. I mean, if you put a whole bunch of people together in a room and and, and a couple of weeks. You know, TV animation and and like even some feature animation studios do that shit all the time, and they've yeah. got it down to a science. But as you were saying, they've been around for a hell of a lot longer. Yeah, and TV is one of the things I think that you get away with a lot because even you know a lot of guys who have, have turned me on to the documentary, I think it's a great watch, is um, Six Days to Air, and it follows um, Jay Park and Matt Stone making a South Park episode in six days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is crazy when you think in animation that you can produce start to finish idea to finish piece of the animation in six days That's, even even as crude visually as it is like you yeah. still have to produce that like any other tv episode oh shit yeah like they were getting to like the one I, you know the one i watched is the human sentai pad episode and, and they were <laughs> which is an amazing episode um but they were literally down to the wire where it was like two days to deadline trace still hadn't like um finished a lot of the, the scripting and he was like eating McDonald's and panicking and be like, what the fuck, man, this is never going to get finished. I'm so like stressed. Um, and yeah, they, but they said like they've just worked that way forever and that's what works for them. But, you know, I think it's just stress is putting everybody. And, you know, like Amy was saying, guys not seeing their kids, guys not going home, guys sleeping at the office. Um, 
And it's not healthy. And is that worth it? You know? Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, Colin Moriarty was talking about it on the, the PlayStation podcast and he was like, no, it's, it's not worth You know, they're fucking video games. They're no, there's no way that you should be killing yourself making these games. Like, you know, and like, even one of the guys at IW, you know, and I didn't know his underlying health issues, but, you know, I, I just caught what he put up the next day, but he was taken to hospital the second day at the, the IW, the, the workshop, because he was so sick. And I think it was because he was overworked. And when you're hospitalizing yourself for your job, no. <laughs> just, just <laughs> no, no. No job is worth that much. Like, Definitely unless not. you're Unless you're like a doctor in Syria and you're under fire, yeah. like no other job should be putting you in like in the kind of you know crazy you know like like health issues that that that, that something like gaming can do to you you yeah, know definitely i mean even like yourself you know you'll say you know you work at early animation you know and, and you know you're talking to george about the, his experiences you know what was what was his kind of cliff notes from crunch or what he what's he experienced um during that so time? um george worked at nelvana in the 80s wow. <laughs> and um uh, Nelvana was kind of a Wild West sort of studio back then, yeah. and it's no surprise because this is in their official history book. Mm-hmm. That studio for a while was um was kept afloat by cocaine deals, wow, and uh, and shit like that. <laughs> and um, of course, George was not part of that because he's yeah. been like a straight shooter since the beginning. But yeah. actually, here's something crazy about about George. Um, uh, the, the guy has like like like. He, he when when he was in there he was he was pulling like multiple all nighters a week wow. and you know like like for example uh, um, I, I I can't remember how he told it I think it was when he was on the design team I, I don't know if it was for droids or for another show but mm-hmm. like like the whole design team got one package to do and he got one package to do like like the work of a whole bunch of other people and he did it. And uh, George is a short sleeper. You know, like he sleeps three to four hours a night and he's good. So he can get up and keep going and he yeah. can do the work of many, many people. But people like George are very, very rare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Most people can't do that. Like I can't do that. I need a good solid six to eight hours of sleep or I'm fucked. Yeah. And um, uh, but but from George's experience, for example, running Elliot, uh, he said like um, if, if there's crunch and sometimes there is, it's usually towards the beginning of the project, yeah. mostly when, when you're setting up assets. But what uh, sort of as things sort of sort of start to kick off and go through, it smooths out because normally like like if, if, if crunch happens at the beginning, it's not very bad. And it's only because you're 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 producing like a ton of assets for the TV show to sort of get it get it up and rolling again. Yeah. And, but he said, like, like even even a lot of other animation houses in Toronto, like, things are a lot worse there than they are at Nelvana now or at Elliot. Like, Elliot is really, really well run, and I'm really, really happy to be there because, uh-huh. you know, like, if it, like, like I said before, if there's a problem in production, from what I've seen, those things get solved really, really fast. And, you know, uh, like, like, like um, the... A solution might not be perfect, and ever, everyone might not like it, but like things things move along really quickly, and you know you don't stay stuck on one problem for any mm-hmm. any you know long period of time. So crunch is is definitely a thing, but it's not like a like a crazy big thing that kills people, you know. Yeah. I'm, at least at least in in George's business where he's planning everything down to a T. But as soon as you go outside Elliot, it's a whole other world. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like it cast back to a story actually. Um, spent some time reading, which was the Nitrogen Studio that produced the animation for Sausage Party for Seth Rogen's film. Um, Heard all about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was like a huge thing in the media for like a long, long time about, you know, guys getting kicked off their project or leaving and getting blacklisted or then leaving like after working it for two years and getting their 
name of the credits and yeah like this shit is stuff that really happens like holy fuck yeah every day and, and more and more studios and that's what i'm saying like you know guys like the guys who run the studios are always like like i said before you know there's 10 guys at the back of you who want your job you know be yeah you're here and I mean, like, it's not every studio in the industry that's like this, but it yeah. happens too much to not be an isolated problem. Yeah, I mean, like, we're painting a very kind of bleak picture here, but please understand that there is a lot of studios in the world that work to a great working time directive, and they do look after their artists, and they are happy to help people with holidays and maternity and whatever else. Um, but we're talking about, like, the overall thing, which is, um, you know, you think, actually, I say there's, there's a lot of studios that work well, but, you know, some of the bigger AAA guys are still working at this, you know. Um, there's particular ones, we'll not name by name, because me and Colin might want to eventually work at some of them. <laughs> um, there is some large AAA studios who are very keen on using crunch as a method to get stuff pushed out quickly, and um, you know I think that's wrong, and I think we really need to look at it as a group, as people moving forward and change it, because it's going to be our industry, and the, the place we grow up, the place people who are younger than us are going to come into, and we want it to be a safe environment. You know, We don't want these people to be hurting themselves, getting sick, um, not seeing their, fr their friends or their kids or their family um, and yeah just making the place just a great place to work and you know I'm, I'm not saying it's got to be like skateboards and, and scooters up and down the halls like in Naughty Dog but at the yeah. same time you know but the thing is you know you talk about Naughty Dog and you always see it's such a great studio to work at but um, you know Amy just came out and said that it was it was a bad place to work that's why she left you know <laughs> she, she just couldn't take the workload anymore it was killing her you know and this is a girl who's worked in the industry for 20 plus years, you know, even back in Crystal Dynamics, I remember her working on the Legacy of Kane series, and that set of games was like the, one of the biggest influences in me as a gamer for years and years and years, I love the Legacy of Kane series, um, Soul Reaver and all that, but, you know, then she moved on to work for Naughty Dog, she made the first Uncharted, she wrote the first and second one, and then obviously wrote the third one, and then, just before she left, she finished up number four, and they... Uh, you know, it makes me sad that I think going forward, if we don't get another Uncharted game, it'll be because Amy's influence isn't there. And that's sad because, yeah, you know, you think the guys at the time um, would have looked at Amy's conditions and what she was maybe complaining about at the time. Or, you know, I've, I've no totally looked at the article and I'm still going to listen to the podcast in depth, but you would think at the time, if they were going to lose Amy, they would really sit down and be like, fucking hold on a minute here. This girl, what are we doing here? <laughs> this woman has been responsible for this game's being as big as it is, like, why the fuck are we letting her go, what are we doing, are we crazy, um, and it's sad, because I, I'm going back, you're talking actually two years ago now, I can remember listening to games podcasts and there was news stories coming out every week about people leaving the Uncharted series, um, like their lead animators, their lead character designers, um, a couple of the story guys, and then eventually Amy left, um, mm -hmm. and then people were like, what the fuck is happening at Naughty Dog, is this game ever going to get finished? Um, and then and you know what? Like, 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 you also hear about like it's not just her. You hear about people all over leaving companies like Blizzard, leaving you know big AAA gaming studios like Cubebrush, for example. Mark Burnett left. Mm -hmm. We don't know why he left because mm -hmm. he was there for like ten years. But yeah. he's gone and he struck out on his own and he's doing really, really well for himself because he's got his online company selling tutorials and making free free stuff to teach people and like. You know, why did he do that? Why did he leave Blizzard? Maybe it was for personal reasons, or maybe it was similar to what we're talking about here. Maybe yeah. it just got too crazy. Well, I mean, like, I, I think he was saying that, well, he explained it in his video. I watched the first one after he left, and he said that the reason was that he was happy at Blizzard, um, which I can believe, because I can actually see Blizzard as being a really good place to work, because I've heard so many good stories about that place. Like how Same with me, yeah. How awesome it is to work there. 
um, they have a dying meme wall. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> give people a stein and a sword and a yeah. shield for working there. For, like, and, and, and those things are great, but my friend Will uh, recently, or not recently, a while ago, he went to tour their campus, and uh -huh. like, it's literally a campus, like a university yeah. level thing like it's yeah. at least in Irvine it's crazy and that's probably going to be part of the reason people want to work there because you know they have their shit down they don't have to rely on stuff like crunch they know their games and they know how to plan them out um, yeah but then like I mean he spoke about like he was really leaving because of toothbrush and because it was making so much money it was taking so much of his time he was like why am I staying in this job well I can run this be my own boss and make money so he just done it um, and the other thing is like I think Going back to things like personal projects that I've taken on and I've done, I find it a lot easier to like like I'll I'll take my film for example. Mm -hmm. I put a stupid amount of work into that thing mm -hmm. and like it ended up working out. It was fine. I you know I got a job, mm -hmm. <clears throat> able to show it to still able to show it to people and they go like, huh, well, mm -hmm. shit, you do this yourself and I'm just like, yes, I did. But <laughs> the point is that like to pull something off like that, I had to plan it out literally down to a T, not knowing anything about planning. And I was willing to put in more hours than I think were even necessary to do that kind of thing because it was my own personal project and yeah. personal thing that I really wanted to do and I believed in. Yeah. And um, I think that's that's just innately, naturally a lot easier to do than when you're working for someone else. Yeah. I remember, I can, I can remember looking at your sheet for your project plan and, and it was meticulous. Like it was. It was immense. I don't even know how the fuck I put that shit together. Yeah, and that you were saying even at the time when I was looking at that was like the third draft or something like that. You'd done iterations past that that were even more. Yeah, there were like I, I realized I had to teach myself how to do this because if I didn't plan this thing, mm -hmm. it was not going to get done, or it was going to get done, but it was going to be fucking shit. Yeah. And there, there, there are parts of it that I'm like, okay, I probably could have done that better. But mm -hmm. overall, I'm like. Like, like this is this this does not look like the work of one person, and yeah. and the the like like the way I did that was planning it out so damn well, and mm -hmm. you know scheduling my time, mm -hmm. and you know making sure I wasn't killing myself, mm -hmm. taking breaks, playing video games, going out with people, mm -hmm. but like doing that enough to keep myself sane well, and, yeah. and motivated as well, and like like that's all you have to do, you know. Mm -hmm. We should like like maybe maybe to start to start closing out. One of the things we should bring up again is now that we've talked about you know how bad crunch is and mm -hmm. how it should probably shouldn't be a part of production. Mm -hmm. What are some solutions that have already been put forward that can you know slowly start to phase it out of 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 the industry? Yeah. Well, I mean, one I really actually thought a lot about was one that is currently in, in progress, and I think it is a great system. Is that you look at Call of Duty, okay, for example. Um, Again, comes out nearly every year now, or it does come out every year. And yeah. the way that Activision has tackled that is multiple have, studios. Yeah, so you've got redundant studios running side by side that make a game. You know, when one finishes, the other one's still halfway through. Then that finishes, and so they're overlapping. Yeah, so and that's a unique, unique situation because you're making two games of the same franchise every year. I understand that, but what if you could split the work between the two studios? You know, what if you know, for instance, you know, the latest game that you know. I mean, Rockstar do it. Rockstar have one franchise where they usually make something like Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead or whatever, and they have multiple studios working on different assets all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if that could be in the scope for something like that, then that probably would solve a lot of issues with crunch and with people not doing enough stuff or not having staff. Yeah. Um, it's a unique situation that probably applies to a few studios, but that's maybe one way you could run it. Like, rather than, like, saying, like, even, for example, when Sean Murray took on um, Hello Games' uh, strategy of making No Man's Sky, Sony could have been like, well, we have this massive big studio, they've got experience with da 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 da. Or even just like a little, like a, like a whole bunch of little outsource companies, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, there's so many, like, I know uh, personally a couple of guys who worked on uh, Division Art, you know, for Ubisoft, 
they weren't working for Ubisoft, they were working for a third party making concept, and, but, you know, they were outsourced to do this work. And even the same way guys like Ad Hoc and Newcastle, who worked on like Guardians of the Galaxy, they just focused on pre-production 2D, mm-hmm. which was then taken into the studio to make the 2D stuff, but that was outsourced again through Marvel and Disney and them. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of options available um, to do this. Yeah. And um, uh, one of the reasons that I know that works or I know that it's possible is because, um, and again, I don't want to name names or name studios or like say exactly what I'm doing, but that is essentially what I'm doing at Elliot right now. Like we have, we've been contacted by, by a certain large studio to, to do a whole bunch of really cool outsource work. But here's the thing going in house to that studio and, and looking at how they do things, how organic the, the process is and kind of how inefficient certain things are are handled uh-huh. we're basically having to say like because we're an outsource studio uh-huh. we can't operate like that because like like we can't be be doing like endless iterations on this one particular thing and yeah. it's just going to take forever and it's just not the most efficient way of doing things so we're basically having to impose a little bit of order on that particular process and yeah. basically say like you know like like you know, plan it out in man weeks and, and put together a whole budget, even though they wanted one anyway, but do it in a way that'll allow us to, you know, get the work done as efficiently as possible. And, yeah. and like, uh, we're, we're kind of hoping they may internalize a little bit of it, or at least sort of, sort of take some influence and be like, oh shit, you know, maybe we can start to push our production in, in, in this direction because yeah. even imposing just a, a little bit of structure, a little bit of planning into uh-huh. something super organic uh-huh. will, will go a long way to, you know, making it, making it a little bit more efficient. Yeah, and we, we talked about this at the start, how game studios and games industry, in fact, is so young that it's still, I think, is searching for that structure that makes games efficiently without compromising the staff. And that's yeah. something going forward. I don't think it's going to be fixed anytime soon. But, <clears throat> you know, with, you know, um, unionization, uh, which has come, you know, the way of um, the guys in America who are trying to unionize the entire animation industry and then go to the games industry, I think having people saying like, well, no, you can't by law treat your, you know, your your employees like this. They need breaks, they need rest, they need to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'll come a long way to making things better. Um, and again, you know, we're not saying don't work hard at your job. Obviously, there will be times when you will need to stay a bit later in the office to help with something. Of course, that will happen. But I'm doing it right now. But it's yeah. because it's because I'm treated well at my job. It's yeah. because I know that if I do this, it'll be valued, even if I'm not necessarily paid anymore for it. It's just something I want to do. Yeah, I and mean, the, to be an, in that position is probably the best position you can be in. Oh, totally. I mean, there's an old saying of you know, have a company that gives a shit about their employees. You have employees that give a shit about their company. I mean, it's like Valve. Like if you know, like if you work there, you know that like people care about you and they want yeah. you to do well. And then like look at what Valve has done. Like yeah, they're like, one of the most successful studios in history. Like they are, they are the digital platform for distribution. They games. they don't even have to make games anymore no. because they they just they just they they transcended the need for it. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, they work out that games kids won't need to work for about four years anyway. So yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, or they could take it even farther. Who knows? Yeah. Oh well, this is it. So um, but yeah, that was great. Um, so that's us guys, we've both kind of wrapped up about Crunch um, if you have any ideas or any experiences with this um, feel free to drop down in the comments um, Also, if you disagree with us then also feel free to drop it down in the comments yeah, too. Totally, man. It's, I mean, it's a discussion and if yeah. you guys have you know things to input or alternate opinions or mm-hmm. you know maybe we totally misquoted something absolutely you know toss yeah. it down there we'll be like oh shit oh my god and then we'll <laughs> and then we'll correct ourselves yeah i mean we're not fountains of knowledge here i mean like we're just stating our own personal opinion that's what these podcasts are about but yeah definitely chime in man i mean it's 
the more people get involved in these discussions, the better. And if you obviously if you have a topic you want to talk about, then definitely let us know because uh, you know um, we're running out of ideas. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're plenty coming up, but um, yeah, it's always good to there try. There are plenty and, of things to talk about. This this yeah. industry and art in general is fucking huge. Yeah, there's, there's, we could we could have a, a podcast that run every hour on the air, and there would still not be enough time. Um, but I just want to give a quick shout out to YouTube. Um, Colin maybe knows why. Can you think why, Colin? We are celebrating today. Oh yeah, because um, uh, <laughs> we just we just hit a hundred subscribers on our YouTube channel, which it's is, a small milestone, but it's a milestone. Yes, we made something. Yeah, I, I mean, after the first ten, we were like, okay, cool. We have ten people who want to listen to us every week, but now we have a hundred, which blows my fucking mind. Um, even the fact that uh, again, I'm not name names, but we we have been told, I have been told personally. This podcast has been getting passed around offices of certain big games companies, um, and they are listening avidly. I mean, uh, what we're saying isn't entirely bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So I mean, like people are taking an interest, and it's great, and it it just pushes me and Colin. You know, you know, Colin. I mean, I'm busy with school and other stuff, and Colin is extremely busy with work. But we keep coming back because we know people are taking an interest, and you know, our voices are getting heard, and it's great because it's you know, it's great to become another part of this community that can be helpful and help people like myself help people that are coming up behind me talk about stuff that that certain people or like like it's talk about things like uh like um like like crunch for example that aren't that easy to talk about you know yeah, like definitely it's 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 not a soft topic for yeah. for a lot of people especially people that have gone through it yeah and again i know you know again not naming names but i know people personally who have experienced it and told me the bad side of it and that's what kind of made me want to talk about it i mean i heard about amy's you know um column or podcast that she's done about it um, I was like, you know, this is probably the good time to talk about it because, it's like, you know, with obviously stuff like Hello Games and, and No Man's Sky, it was a great time to talk about it. So, yeah, very topical. Um, so, yeah, um, thanks, guys, for subscribing. Um, and, again, if you haven't, then what the hell are you doing? Hit that subscribe button. It's free. <laughs> Hit that damn button. red button. That's it. Punch it. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, give a comment, share it to your buddies if you want. Um, let me know if you're listening. And, again, drop it in the comments. And me and Colin will definitely take on board what you guys have got to say. Um, and that's us for this week. Um, thanks again to Colin for sparing his time, which is very valuable at this point because he's so fucking busy. Um, okay, but, I'm yeah. not. I'm, I'll live through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll be, you'll be good. You'll be good fun. Um, and yeah, we'll be back again with another episode. Hopefully next week. Uh, we did have a bit of a space there, but again, because we're so busy, we're trying to fit them in where we can, but we're getting there. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed. An interview coming up soon for a couple of big guys. Just waiting on your back in emails. And uh, until then, you can check us out. Always at the usual places, YouTube. Um, we're obviously now on iTunes and have been for a couple of weeks. So you can either download us through the official podcast app if you have it on your phone. Um, and also in SoundCloud and other places. Uh, still working on Spotify. Um, that's coming along. But there's a bit more red tape than I thought it would be. But it will get up there eventually. Um, and yeah, um, stay tuned, guys. And we will catch you next week. See you, guys. Bye.